clear. But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> what else? Uh, I, I'm actually going to try and keep this one a little bit shorter. We'll see if that works. It never does, but uh, we're going to try. Uh, you know, for some reason, I've heard that before. I know. I know. I was like, you know, I was listening to the, uh, I was listening to those old year one episodes. Um, there's an episode that I entitled, it's, what did I call it? it, it the episode title is, It's Long, Way Too Long. All right. Um, and, at the, and I was listening to myself in the episode, and I was, in fact, horrified by how long that episode was. Hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, back then, you know, we, we settled in at 120 for years and years and years. And uh, it's kind of weird that it magically becomes 120 whether we try or not. But I don't want to do that today. We'll see if that works. Anyways, there's a list. Yeah. There's a list here. Where did I put it? Here it is back here. Uh, Larry sent us this... Uh, this uh, video, or he called our attention to this video. Uh, oh, yeah, the, yeah. Of the, uh, I don't know, what is that, a Cherokee of some sort? Um, um, yeah. La- landing on a highway, a busy highway. This is the thing that amazed me was I was watching, when the first time I watched this video, uh, um, you know, it's, so it's taken from a dash cam of a, a car that's trailing behind where the airplane is coming down. And, uh, and you can see the airplane descending down into the traffic onto the highway. Um, a, there's a fair number of cars. I mean, maybe it's a perspective thing and it just more than it looks like, or, you know, it looks like more than it is, but there's a fair number of cars that this guy's trying to merge into this airplane's trying to merge into. But the thing that really caught my attention is that there's any number of overhead signs here. All right. This is like, uh, holy moly. I mean, forget wires. At least you can see them. I guess maybe that's a good thing. Is like a, um, but uh, this guy landed in between over, overhead signs, signs that cross over the entire width of the highway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at this and I, I respect the talent and the judgment here. Um, but I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, you know, there's at least a half a mile between signs yeah, at, least yeah. a th- at least a third of a mile right a half a mile is you're talking more than 2500 feet if you can't get a cherokee down within 2500 feet you probably shouldn't be doing this right although you know the concept here is that he's got no yeah. power so he doesn't have total control over over you know his landing spot it looked but, like uh, he had a little bit of power left but, it yeah. does and i wanted to talk about that david what were you going to try and say i was going to say it's it's a taper wing tapered wing it's an archer uh and it has a little longer takeoff roll and a little longer landing roll than the than the hershey bar wing but I'm with Jeb on that. It, the space between the uh, exit ramp signs there is a good half a mile. Uh, what I'm impressed with is how attentive the drivers were to giving this guy space I, that's, to touch that's, down. Yeah, I agree. That's the remarkable thing about this to me. And I've always thought that if push came to shove and I had to land on a highway that had traffic, it should be you know, fairly obvious once I come swooping in to the cars that I roll over, fly over, that I'm landing. They're going to slow down, and the people in front of me that don't see me are going to keep going. So it should, you know, knock wood ideally work out as it did here. 
Yeah, except you're going to touch down a lot faster than these cars are traveling, especially if it might be a busy highway. No, it doesn't no. have to be faster. No. I mean, the, 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 the stall speed on that airplane is below the speed limit on that highway. I yeah. used to I used to fly that airplane and the yeah. the uh, final the final approach speed recommendation in the handbook power off full flaps is like sixty six knots sixty six knots so 66 what, seventy knots. something seventy, 70 something. miles an hour basically and and and, okay. and wait, no wait, one's wait, doing wait, wait, seventy wait. miles an hour on a on an interstate they're doing 80 85 no, but so it, the people it, oh, the people that don't see you the, the people uh, you're behind <clears throat> are just going to keep right on going at 85 miles an hour and open up a nice big hunk of pavement for you yeah. watch the signs the other thing about landing on a highway that always troubled me was the idea that you um it, whether or not you touch down at highway speed you're probably going faster on kind of fine on short final which means that you're going to overtake the cars that you land in front of. And so, in other words, you're going to surprise them because they're not seeing you back there. Um, and so they're going to suddenly see you. You're going to just drop down yeah. in front of them. And, yeah. uh, and um, they put on the brakes. And hopefully they put on their brakes. Well, and, 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 and let's jump back a half, of, a, a half an exit. 56 knots is 64 miles an hour. Yeah. That's dead on the speed limit out there. Well, actually, on that stretch of road outside Quebec, uh, the uh, speed limit's uh, 100 kilometers. So, what is that, 66 miles an hour? Jack, remember also that the the typical airplane that is going to be doing something like this, i.e. a a piston single, um, by regulation has a stall speed in the landing configuration, no greater than 61 knots. Yeah. Okay. okay. Which yeah, comes out to around another, another, you know, comes out to around 70, 70 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the stall speed. Um, so, I mean, that's the, the maximum speed at which it can land. And a Cherokee 180, an Archer, uh, is well below that, 50 knots. Yeah. So... Anyway, the other thing, anyway, it, the guy, everybody did a great job as the punch. They, they did, they did. I did want to call attention to something that you alluded to, Jeb, and that is that uh, um, he apparently didn't have a total engine failure. No, uh, right. He had not. some residual power because when he w- we saw it. So the end of the video, the car with the camera uh, uh, actually passes, so that the airplane kind of taxis off into the breakdown lane, um, and the cars are able to go past it, and the camera car goes past it and we get a ch- even though the airplane has basically stopped the a- propeller is still spinning yeah. to some extent well he, uh, he 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 taxied uphill i mean you don't do yeah. that with a dead engine yeah uh, well the, not for long and, not uh, for long but enough to get him to where he could pull in, over to in the, the right. opening in the opening few frames as as he comes into view um there seems to be a smoke trail Oh. behind him and and after he goes after the camera goes on oh, yeah. the overpass there also seems to be a little a little smoke or some discoloration I, I see that now i hadn't noticed that i just watched the first few frames yeah, yeah. so yeah. someone had speculated that he'd swallowed a valve which could well be right um could have had a, an oil line break all of that would be white smoke uh the carburetor could have gone you know kaflui and suddenly and the, the engine was just turning burning very rich or something i don't know yeah. definitely putting out some uh, a little bit of smoke there yeah really yeah. 
Really? I mean, maybe it wasn't even an engine failure issue. Maybe there was a fire. Uh, you know, maybe he saw smoke coming out of the cowling or something like it, that. One thing here that I don't think it would find any dispute in, and the, uh, the, the, the Midwest American advice is, oh, you can always land in the median. Not at this stretch of Not this one. Yeah, not this <laughs> yeah. media. Yeah, I was looking at that. Maybe uh, in Nebraska, but not here. Yeah, n- not well, only is it a, a not very wide, not very flat median, but it's got light poles, you know, closer than the signs are. Yeah. Well, it when I make my uh, when I make my holiday drive in the Bimmer back to uh, Indiana, uh, the the majority of the mileage is put in on Interstate seventy going through Missouri. Uh, that's another place where you ain't landing on the median anywhere mm-hmm. on 70 going through Missouri because it has barriers and cable barriers the entire length of the state. And uh, well, that's not very considerate. That's right. I mean, <laughs> well, and it's not even wide enough to put an airplane down there and clear both lanes on the other on on the opposite sides. Uh, as we got to spend a lot of time observing the construction a few years ago when an ice storm turned my ten-hour drive into a twenty-hour drive, and I spent sometimes as much as an hour and ten minutes sitting in the same spot waiting for the uh, highway patrol to clear out another rollover accident in front of me and it it impressed the hell out of me how many cars and trucks and tractor trailers were tangled up in that cable median sometimes with the tractor on one side and the trailer on the other and pointed in opposite directions yeah it's like boy you guys did it completely uh but whoever came up with that idea uh it slowed down and stopped a lot of vehicles that I would not have expected it to do. Hmm. But I got to thinking, I'd never want to have to land on this highway. Yeah. Nowhere in Missouri. Right. Right. Well, so congratulations to this unnamed pilot um, and uh, uh, for uh, successfully getting on the ground uh, in spite of the smoke. And because uh, it's like computers, letting the smoke out of your airplane is always I, bad. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thanks to Larry Overstreet for calling our attention to this. We appreciate Absolutely. that. Um, uh, and so, uh, uh, sp- okay. Speaking of letting the smoke out, how's that? Uh, <laughs> welcome, folks, <laughs> to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from uh, uh, the the banks of the beautiful Cochico River here in Dover, New Hampshire. And uh, uh, in the midst of we are we are still deep into uh, these pandemic times, and uh, and we may or may not talk about that a little bit, but uh, um, just kind of give you some context. Uh, uh, we're all still sheltering at home, and uh, and uh, anyways, talking to my in the, yeah, our, in, for those of you that are listening to this years later, uh, just Google pandemic. And uh, I think I think as long as they were old enough, they'll remember. I don't think we're going to remember all the history books. Yeah, it is a thing. This is a thing. Talking in our uh, our virus free uh, virtual hangar here uh, is uh, uh, two of my very very good friends, uh, and uh, uh, I appreciate their their joining me this morning. Um, we should do. Well, okay, let me say names first. Uh, Jeb Burnside is there uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. How are you doing? I'm fine. Good morning. Um, how, how about yourself? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, and I guess, you know, I mean, just for, for the, uh, I, I think a lot of our listeners, um, 
very kindly ask from time to time. Um, I will just report that I am well. And uh, Jeb, are you well? I uh, am well. Okay, great. Um, and otherwise, just sitting at home. Well, see, we've joked about this before. This isn't, this isn't a lot different, you know. Uh, other than the fact that you have to gear up to go to the go to the uh, Piggly Wiggly, um, you know, you, this is life as usual for you. No, I, yeah, I don't go to the Piggly Wiggly. Though. I, I know the Hoggly Woggly, <laughs> as I used to call it. But, I, I um, was trying to name a grocery store that anybody yeah, would no, recognize know, as being a grocery yeah. store. But that's that's basically it. Um, I I uh, have a couple of errands that I need to do, and and uh, I'm not sure when I'm going to do them. Uh, probably over the weekend. I've kind of reserved Saturday as my go out and and do stuff day. Yeah. Uh, so that includes grocery shopping and, and, you know, I have gas cans I need to fill and, mm-hmm. and, uh, some other supplies maybe to get. But, uh, other than that, you know, the, the frequency with which I go out is, has changed, but very little else of my existence has changed. Yeah. Likewise, likewise. And also here in our virtual hangar from uh, the air capital of the world, sorry, I shouldn't laugh when I say that, uh, is uh, uh, Wichita, Kansas. That's Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Jim. Uh, good morning uh, to you. Sunny day here. Uh, even news-wise, the uh, folks at Spirit Aerosystems are starting to trickle back to work after being off for several weeks. Yeah, that's why I, I, my the, laugh. Due to yeah. the same old story, the yeah. coronavirus. Yeah, my little laugh was un, was misplaced because I had heard that story that Boeing has begun to to um, at least on some level start doing airplanes again. That's a good thing. How are you otherwise? Everything going well? Everything's all, going well. I, uh, you, you you are well. I'll, let me just ask you the official question. Yes, you are well. And uh, oh, absolutely. I uh, take my temperature every morning uh, before I have any coffee. And uh, and uh, this morning I was. Uh, Ninety-eight point two. So there you go in the slot. Good deal. uh, No respiratory distress. No uh, achy joints. No symptoms at all, uh, except for the boredom. uh, Having no place to go after work. Yeah, I know, huh? Uh, How's Charlotte, your puppy dog? She's doing fine. Does she even notice anything's going on here? Her life is pretty much the same for her, right? I think life is pretty much the same for her. She's finishing her spring shed, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, hey, you need something to do, man. You can't go drinking beer, so you can you can comb the dog. You can brush well, the dog. Uh, she uh, she has two of these a year. And the spring one's always the worst because it's getting rid of that winter coat and the undercoat. And uh, she can go trotting it. I'll brush her outside, and then she'll go trotting in the house. And as soon as she gets in the house, she shakes. And, of course, more hair goes everywhere. So uh, it uh, it always gives me a chuckle because Annie put a sign up in the kitchen to go with this time of year. It says, it's a sign of a dog with hair coming off of it. And it says, everything tastes better with dog hair in it. (laughs) Well, good. I guess good. I don't know. Uh, I'm glad things are well. Uh, What do we got here? Aviation stories. A couple of follow-ups here. Um, So uh, FAA, or probably probably NTSB actually, um, released some a report, not a final report, but a report on the uh, the Roy Halladay. So Roy Halladay, baseball player, I believe, right? I should know that. Um, Who uh, 
Who over he, was he active or retired? I don't active. know. Active. Active. Okay. Uh, um, and this is over two years ago. This was like November of 17, I think I read, um, where he uh, crashed his uh, icon uh, and uh, and he died um, on board, I think. And uh, and so they, they've put out a big, uh, um, I don't know, how would you characterize it? Jeb, what's this kind of report called? It's called this a factual a, This report. is a factual. Yeah. So they, they had a preliminary out soon after the accident. Uh, but this is the next, this is basically the update, which because it's a factual report does not reach any conclusions, but it does basically lay out what they have found so far. Right. Right. Now, my first question is over two years, almost two and a half years later, they're yeah. doing this. That seems like a long time. Is it? It's a little <sighs> not any, than not anymore. Really? Is yeah. the quick answer. Um, I don't know what has changed. Um, the other thing going on is this is one of those very visible accidents mm-hmm. that the NTSB tends to put additional resources into. Okay. Um, they're getting uh, better overall at coming up with a lot of details because the technology's gotten better. You know, this airplane had basically a flight data recorder. There, there was basically ADSB um, coverage, I believe, uh, things like that. Uh, it didn't used to be that easy, so it didn't used to be that much data to sift. So it didn't take as much time to assemble all of the all of the facts in a factual okay. report. Yeah. That's part of it. I'm sure there are other uh, elements, but uh, in general, over you know. The times I've been paying attention, uh, it takes the NTSB longer for some accidents than it does for others. Yeah. Okay. I think, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because ultimately it's just a terribly sad, sad situation. Um, But I think a lot of people um, took note of the fact that this report described there having been a lot of exotic medications in his system. Um, uh, You know, a lot. I don't have the list in front of me, but do either of you take note of this? I mean, is this a thing, or is this just <laughs> yeah, part of the course? I, uh, it's it's an it's uh, an aberration uh-huh. uh, to my my experience. And again, I you know I look at a lot of NTSB reports. Right. Um. It's not common. Let me put it that way. For a deceased pilot to test positive for illicit uh, substances. It, it's not common. It's not common. It's, okay. It's uncommon. It's Let's uncommon. It, okay, very good. Go ahead. Way. Yep. Um, and that includes alcohol. Um, yep. Those types of accidents are very – I mean, let, let, me, let me put it a third way. Um, accidents that likely – have been contributed to by uh, drug or alcohol consumption are very rare, at okay. least as far as NTSB reports are concerned. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do have the list in front of me now. Just so there's a sleep aid. Um, it does list amphetamine and morphine, and then it lists fluoxetine, which is well, an antidepressant. And the, there the, you go. Yeah, I, I know. You know. Well, let me just be clear here. Um, I didn't see anything in this that indicated that any of these were illegal usage usages of drugs. I, don't, I just want to. Well, that, know, that I, certainly could well be. Um, the implication uh, here a, is that these were all very, prescription meds. That's a very good distinction. All right. Um, but having said that, 
seems a little unwise to have been flying an airplane. Um, and there's also, it begs the question of how, how he got a medical. Um, well, yeah. Um, First off, that's a light sport aircraft, gentlemen. Oh, medical is not required here. I'm sorry, you're absolutely right. A, 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 yeah. a, a driver's license is required. Yep. But he had a pilot's license. He had a private. Yep. He had a single multi-engine, um, oh, okay. maybe an instrument rating, I think. Yeah, okay. So... All right. Anyways, all right. And, I, and I, I believe I misspoke. He had announced his retirement prior to the accident okay. and uh, was retired by the team he was playing for in 2018. Uh, that seems like getting a kick in the butt going out the door because uh, yeah. he was already deceased. Huh. Yeah. Anyways, so... Uh, the reports, are, I mean, I think a lot of people have probably already seen these, this story and or the report. Um, sad situation. Yeah. And, and, and NTSB will eventually tell us what they think. I mean, they, maybe they'll tell us something. Uh, they, uh, they pretty much already have told you what they think. They'll, they'll come up with a formal statement. Really? What, what's your take from the factual about what they think happened here? Well, I don't know how they'll phrase it, but there's clearly unwarranted low flying. Yeah. Uh, there is clearly um, careless and reckless operation, uh, and there may have been impairment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, if you if you want to get a more structured analysis with, uh, uh, with some graphics, uh, Paul Bertarelli on AvWeb. Uh, went through this the the link that we've got will take you to a page where you can click through to that but yeah. uh he's got some graphics there that uh that show some information that we we were taught when we were working on a private pilot's license how g loads go up in turns and so forth uh so uh it, it, the young man was definitely flying a little bit aggressively according to the uh to the uh, eyewitnesses and according to the data in the uh, airplane uh and water is not soft when you hit it the wrong way yeah. Yeah. No, it's, not. it's like yeah. hitting it's like hitting granite and mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be frozen yeah uh the other uh, sort of follow-up if you hear is a story that we talked about a long, long time ago. That Jeb, what's the so the uh, somebody the FCC wants yeah, to, and this is like a hey, GPS isn't all that important. It doesn't no, really it, matter it, if they're going to mess with exactly. the GPS. And, yeah. and there's not like there's not, you know a few other things going. Yeah, on right. Here, yeah. But, yeah. Give, give me the give me the summary here. What's the well, story? Um, we've talked in the past about um, uh, communications companies, uh, perhaps cellular telephone companies or, or or whatever. I don't I don't know satellite companies, whatever. Um, wanting to uh, get some bandwidth from the Federal Communications Commission so that they can you know, run their, their little operation. Um, frequently, that bandwidth has been known to conflict with be clo- too close to or on a harmonica or something like that, um, the frequency the GPS signal uses. And in the past, we've had companies with the chutzpah to come forward and say, well, we can, you know, we as a society can accept some GPS degradation. And and they got roundly booed and sent home, and those those plans uh, did not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, they're back. Yeah. Okay. One of them is, anyway, or a, a, a company um, 
Legato Networks. This is according to an article on AOPA's website. Uh, On April 20, the FCC voted to approve a proposal by Legato Networks that revives the plan by to establish a land-based 5G network on L-band frequencies close enough to those used by GPS to create potential interference. And you know, here we go again. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I mean, is there anything? Can I don't. This, I don't know. I, I, is this it, subject to legislation? Can we call it, our it senators? Be, but, um, um, April twenty one, the next day, Department of Homeland Security formally stated that they had recommended to the FCC that they deny that application. Oh, okay. Um, well, geez, I just, you know, you know, I, I always, you know, I hate it when I'm on the same side as Homeland Security. But, well, there's, right. you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but I don't disagree with you. Um, so uh, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, AOPA is on the case. I'm sure some other people will be on the case, like, you know, the Department of Defense. Um, but uh, more things change the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. David, any thoughts on this? Uh, get prepared to write letters and make phone calls, guys. Uh because that's what beat this thing back into the uh, in, into oblivion. Uh, what five years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it's going to take now. Because the FCC has already unanimously voted to let this thing go forward. Now they did add a lot of conditions uh, that didn't exist on the first time through, but that doesn't change the. Uh, I'm sorry. The only word I can come up with here is the stupidity of these people ignoring all these scientific uh, data on what's wrong with this and the frequency range that it's in and what it'll do to GPS. And the the Defense Department's just the beginning, gang. There's maritime operators that depend on this. There's trucking companies that depend on this. Yeah. Uh, it's pilots. We're more GPS um, dependent delivery. now than we were five years ago. Hello, come in. Delivery services are yeah. dependent on GPS. Yeah. No. No. I, I think. I, I think. I mean. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, think there's a lot of us who think it's a no-brainer that GPS yeah. is important. We've made it important. Whether or not it was a cool technology at one point, it's it's an essential technology. It's like now. the internet now. Well, yeah. I don't. I don't know an Uber driver or yeah. uh, uh, one of the meal service uh, drivers that. It, it doesn't use GPS to get it to the right address on the first try. Yeah. You know, no, no, no more of this guy driving around the block, looking at a map, looking at the addresses that the GPS says, oh, you need to turn right here, 200 feet, stop. I, I'm raising my hand because yes. I still see that out where I am, but nevertheless. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so uh, we'll just keep an eye on this, and uh, everyone should. And um, if you're so inclined, you may want to at some point contact your representatives to say no, 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 or yes, yes, yes. I, I think it's a no, 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 but okay. All right. Um, moving on here. Uh, so so I want to approach this story in kind of an unusual way. Uh, so in these pandemic times, um, airline flights are way down, way down, all right? Um, we hear lots of stories about how uh, the big Bravo airports are just like, you know, traffic in and out of the Bravo airports is a fraction of what it used to be. Uh, and uh, and so a lot of people are thinking, this is going to be an interesting time to, you know, in my little GA airplane to go get, uh, uh, you know, JFK in my logbook, you know, or LAX in my logbook, Um 
And uh, and David, I think it was you who called our attention to this uh, uh, YouTube video about a, a pilot who uh, uh, on on his way on a on a on a somewhat routine mission from his home north of New York City to um, a place in northern New Jersey. Um, Apparently, did he actually manage to, I haven't actually watched this whole video, did he actually manage to do low, pro, low approaches at all three of Newark, uh, LaGuardia, and JFK? Yeah, and I think the controllers were happy to have something to do there for a few minutes. Okay, okay. Well, because watching that video, it's, it, it's stunning how empty the airspace is around those three airports Yeah, when, when, when on a normal day. Uh, just trying to get around that territory if you're on an IFR flight plan to someplace that's not one of those three airports can involve some pretty good diversions Yeah, because yeah. the controllers are going to do their damnedest to keep you out of their airspace. Right, right. So, okay. Now, um, let me go back in time about two or three years. Um, there's a YouTube uh, pilot that I, I watch from time to time, who published uh, a video of him landing his 172 at O'Hare, uh, and he and he tells us about the process and how he did this. Um, you know, he was he was actually traveling home from Oshkosh, and said, "We're going to be traveling right through that area. Let's see if we can get permission to do a full stop at O'Hare." And so uh, he called, and he did the he did it really well in my view. Uh, he called, uh, uh, they called Tracon like a day in advance and said we're gonna we're gonna do this thing what can we do to make it easier um and and the point of me mentioning this is that three four years ago when traffic was normal um a they gave him permission um to do it in the middle of the night um and b they said he had to do it ifr um, they said that was a requirement, even even in the middle of the night. And, and he was able to do that. He's an experienced IFR pilot. And so the video is there. I'll put that video in the show notes. Um, the reason I mention that is that another listener, I heard from another listener who I believe was just yesterday um, out in the L.A. area, um, decided this would be a great opportunity to do, get a full stop at LAX. Um, and so uh, he uh, he did not call in advance, as near as I can tell. All right, he just basically got in the air and then called in and asked to land. All right, and they turned him away. Um, they, I think, before he even got into the Bravo, they they turned him away and said, "No, we're only accepting IFR arrivals." Period. Um, and uh, so it's where does it's it all, say that? Well, and that's kind of my question, I guess. All right. That's kind of my question. All right. Is like three years ago or whatever it was, five years ago when the O'Hare guy did it, they required him to be on IFR. And now, which, okay, I'm willing to accept that as being reasonable, I guess, under normal circumstances. But I've seen other YouTubers who talk about LAX and how the number of flights coming out of LAX is just astoundingly low. Um, you know, uh, the, the beach at Venice, where you usually see the airplanes just, just shooting out, you know, constant stream, um, and you hardly ever see them. He says you go five and ten minutes without there being a, a departure. Um yeah, is it is is there some sort of regulation that says that you can't land at a Bravo without an IFR? I was thinking about you and I, Jeb, yeah. and Dave, um, when we went to get Dave and drop off Dave at at Tampa, which is a Bravo, and and I was thinking, yeah, we don't, we but we probably weren't we were IFR. It was a VFR day, but you always no, filed. No, we were VFR. Were we VFR? The last so, time we did it, I remember. Yeah. So you uh, weren't okay. Yeah. 
Well, there you go. It's pop right up. Uh, call the right frequency. Say we're landing Tampa, requesting, you know. That's right. Okay. EFR vectors. And uh, you cleared into the Bravo, fly heading, yada, yada. Watch the 7-3 circling around behind you that's going to be landing on the parallel runway. Mm-hmm. And have a nice day. Yeah. But okay. that was Tampa. Right. Um, and, and of I'm course. Not, I'm just sitting here still chewing on how can they do that legally? I, I guess well, that's yeah, part of my question. Yeah, some some airports have local <coughs> letters specifying some kind of operations, like uh, yeah. Mid Continent here. They have a, a local letter allowing you to get in and out of Dead Cow without contacting the okay. tower. Just so I know, David, is Mid Continent a Bravo or a Charlie? It's a Charlie. A Charlie. Okay, go ahead. But it's a local letter, and it normally coming out of Dead Cow. If you're not going to use this uh, informal airway out of Dead Cow to the south, you got to call up, get a hold of the tower, get a squawk. They release you, then they transit you through the traffic that's almost always out there. Not right now, of course, but uh, and off you go. And, and I'm wondering whether LAX might not. Where were we talking about? LAX uh, might not have one of those operational letters in a, in effect for it, yeah. saying that if you're not IFR, uh, we can't keep track of you. And holding it at that, yeah, I don't know that to, to be a fact, but that could be an explanation. Yeah, and I want to talk to my to, to our listener, my friend, um, a little bit more about the LAX situation because he was only able to give me very simple de- uh, uh, details, and I'd like to know a little bit more about this. I'm, could, I'm actually kind of curious. could have been low vis, you know, could, uh, possibly could have been smoggy. Who knows? Possibly, but uh, um, he's yeah, okay, so. Um, and I want to see if maybe, I actually want to see if I can dig up the uh, live ATC. I want to hear the conversation. That would be kind of interesting. Well, um, back when we still had Air Comanche, Annie was still alive. Occasionally, she'd need to or want to get back to DC for some kind of family business. Uh, in those days, the fastest and easiest and cheapest way to get her to DC was to put her on Southwest at Kansas City. So we. <laughs> put her in the Comanche and fly up to Kansas City International and drop her off. And the FBO would give us a shuttle to take her over to the terminal and I'd buy 20 gallons of fuel and go home. Uh, I almost always left Augusta on an IFR flight plan, regardless of the day, because it just made getting into the system and getting on the ground at Kansas City that much easier. Sure. Uh, couple of times when i was going to pick her back up later in the evening traffic slowed down i uh i uh filed and then canceled about halfway there because for 30 miles i didn't hear a single airplane going in there on the frequency Mm -hmm. and they handled me as adeptly and efficiently as when i had an ifr flight plan on file but there were times when I was on an IFR flight plan going in there and other people wanted to land and they were not even allowed into the Bravo until the controllers decided that they have the time to deal with them. So it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's all kind of interesting. I, I, I may I may end up with more information about uh, the LAX example, but and I'll report back if I do. Um, this uh, guy in the RV8, though, who did the New York airports, David, was there anything in particular you wanted to call our attention to on this? Well, first off, this is his second airplane. He, uh, he had a turboprop sitting in another hangar that he could have done this uh, mission, and the mission was to drop off a drive with a music concert because this guy plays drummer uh, for a tribute band called, I believe it was Eagle Mania. Eagle Mania, some sort of Eagles tri- tribute yeah. band. Yeah, and uh, they'd done a big show, and it wouldn't email. The, the file was too big to email. It was too big to put on a flash drive, so he put it on a hard drive, took it up to w- one of his fellow members, and then on the way back, he did this three landings at uh at the airports in question uh newark laguardia jfk right did he do uh, landings or did he just did low approaches i thought it was low approach i, I haven't watched the video i all i know is from reading the descriptions um did he actually touch down i thought he did okay you may be right how, how else are you going to deliver the hard drives well no, no that was at the destination but the three bravos i i thought he just did low approaches um i i i, I, I don't know yeah Anyways, okay. Well, it's interesting. Um, the link to uh, this uh, uh, New York Bravos video will be in the show notes, as well as the link to the uh, the one from three, whatever it was, five years ago, the O'Hare one will, will be and, there as well. And 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 to, to be clear on this, he didn't do full stops. He did touch and goes. Okay. Touch and goes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, anyways, okay. Interesting. Well, I had a buddy flying down to South Florida years ago who uh, got permission to land on the shuttle runway at uh, at uh, Kennedy Space Center. Yeah, uh, and uh, that took some advanced work. Right, the touchdown. I'm told though that if it's quiet there, um, getting a low approach is somewhat trivial. Um, it, 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 you know, it, if you just call in, for, you yeah. know, it's like there's no launch near, you know, happening soon or anything like that. Um, if you just want to fly down the runway, you can ask, you know, off in the distance and they often will approve it. Um, I've seen a video of that happening as well. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, you know, all kidding aside, I mean, as fun as the novelty of being able to land at these big Bravos would be, um, I, I think there's a training thing there, too. I mean, it's a learning experience, oh, even yeah, even in these low-traffic times. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's too bad that LAX turned my, my friend down. But, uh, um, ironically, New York was friendlier, huh? Okay, there you go. Um, well, your friend, your friend out in LAX, he just had bad timing. Should have waited for there to be a pandemic. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, the irony is that when he got turned away, so he was setting himself up to land, uh, I don't know, to the west probably, um, and they said no. And so uh, he was coming from the southeast of LAX. Uh, and, uh, and when they said no, he just turned directly west towards the ocean and then flew over LAX on the VFR flyway, which is something he does routinely, like almost every day. He flies to and from work right over top LAX every day. Um, so yeah, uh, it, ironically, it, it, he was able to fly right over the top of the airport, um, but they wouldn't let him land. Uh, AOPA worked their butts off to get that flyway in. Yeah. I've never done it, but I'm told it's pretty straightforward. Um, and, uh, you know, anyways. Okay. Uh, what else here? Um uh, 
wind farms. So this is a weird story. I don't know how much there is to talk about here. Um, came across a story recently about two newly completed wind farms. So, you know, it's like multiple wind turbines out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Um, and wind turbines, wind turbines being tall enough, as tall as they are, they need an anti-collision light on the top. All right. But there's a lot of people who don't want these anti-collision lights on, especially out in the middle of nowhere, 24-7, because they think it ruins the whatever it ruins, you know, the, the darkness of the night, which there are some people who legitimately need or, or want that. Okay. So the story I saw talked about this new wind farm having installed this this new system called a what is it ADLS apparently aircraft detection lighting system um it apparently uses radar to notice whether there's an aircraft nearby and when there is it turns on the anti-collision lights um that's very cool and um and my first question was the really radar every every one of these towers or every one of these neighborhoods of towers has its own radar and i guess maybe that's a okay thing it seemed to me that maybe that would be adding a lot of radar to the world but i don't know is that a problem um and i also wondered about the well, effect of the, the, the I, I accuracy guess, you yeah, know, Jeb? i i have to i have to say it yeah all makes, it all makes sense now What's that? Windmills do cause cancer. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Do I, 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 I'm taking the rest of the day off. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, I've never met a Dutchman who had cancer. Okay. Mm. All right. Yeah. So what's the shoes? Um, uh, well, so- you know, there's passive radar systems. Uh, you may not have noticed this, but if you get behind some SUVs and – trucks and other vehicles you might notice a collection of they look like little buttons usually mm-hmm. in in pairs a, across the back bumper right those are passive radar but but women are they radar or are they sonar or something else like that well the original ones were radar uh, Ford was the one that uh, developed those and started putting them in, and they're activated by traffic or obstacles that get close to yeah. the back, and they I was, give give the guy a warning. Now we've got backup cameras, and right. the radar things are kind of moot. And forward-looking things. I saw when I was in Florida the last January, um, I had a rental car, and I'm um, cruising across. I've talked about the fact that I drove across Florida. Um, and so I'm, like, out in the middle of nowhere, Florida, on the on the interstates, and I set the, uh, the uh, cruise control to a speed that I like. And so I'm just driving along, chugging along, and I'm suddenly noticing, you know, and, and there's other cars there as well. And so... Um, I'm suddenly noticing the cruise control has me going like 10 or 15 miles an hour slower than I set it for. And I'm going, what the heck is going on here? Well, after a little bit of experimentation, I discovered that the the forward-looking whatever distance sensor, I, I don't know what the technology is, um, what it did was when I came up behind another car, I see in my car, I don't have this kind of fancy stuff. So when I have cruise control set and I come up behind another car, I got to pay attention because I'll I'll hit the car in front of me, and so I, I've got to slow down or pass it or whatever. This fancy rental car noticed that there was a car in front of me and slowed down with basically no alert to me. All right, just basically slowed down the cruise control, and 
so suddenly I notice that I'm going like you know 15 miles an hour slower than I thought I was. They they call that adaptive cruise control. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I don't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. And uh, um, because you know part of cruise control is you want to be able to go to sleep. You just want to be able to like nod off a little bit. Put and, your feet up. Yeah. 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 And so take I take pictures. Like, outside I got like pay attention to the yeah. fact that I've slowed down. And uh, um, but I don't know if these things are radar. It would make me nervous if they're a radar. Uh, the other question, though, I had about these wind farms and the uh, 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 part-time lighting was that I, I guess part-time lighting is legal. I, they, you, they can have on-demand part-time lighting on these towers? Well, you can have on-demand lighting at airports. Uh, okay, but that's not exactly an anti-collision it's not, thing. Yeah, it's not this, I don't know. It's a bunch um, I don't know. It's you know, a shame we don't have some device y'all could use because yeah, I'm right. kind of tapped out. I think this is an aviation safety story to to, to come, so you should. Yeah, I, don't, I don't take story assignments from you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, listeners who know anything about this, fill us in. Uh, uh, links in the show notes to uh, to uh, the the deal and uh, uh, tell us what you know. A little bit of podcast business here. Uh, First of all, I want to repeat my announcement. I just kind of, if you listen to the last episode, you know this already, but I just want to let everybody know that um, in these pandemic times, uh, we need to postpone something as well. And so what we're going to post, no, I'm making this, this is, uh, episode 500, which we had all been looking forward to, um, is going to be delayed, is going to be postponed. We're not going to do, so this is 498 we're doing right now. So there's one more 499 and then it would have been 500 and we had all kinds of plans for a fancy 500 and we were going to get together while we were all in Florida for sun and fun and record some stuff and maybe go flying and we had all kinds of ideas. Um, suddenly we didn't get together in Florida, so we couldn't do these things. And so we figured rather than doing something half-hearted we're gonna like just postpone the episode 500 festivities or specialness or whatever and we'll do something fancy to commemorate um this big milestone um sometime later on um but in the meantime and we're not going to stop doing the podcast we're going to after 499 things will still continue to be podcasty um but there may be other changes and 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 you know stay tuned you'll see all about that so um 500's coming but later on postponed uh, the other thing, podcast business, I wanted to call people's attention to is that uh, I've started doing something that I've wanted to do for a long time now, which is to go back to some of the old episodes and to identify some um, clips, portions of those episodes that are interesting conversation that wasn't that wasn't um, time limited. That was that is interesting still today. Is my point? I think. All right, um, and I've started doing these on a pretty reg- on a somewhat regular basis i guess i'm calling them time ucap timeless clips and uh uh, posting them uh periodically i did a bunch of them last week i actually did one every day last week there's a whole bunch of interesting um little clips from year one it's really kind of interesting to go back and listen to uh uh, um you know uh episodes from 2007 of this podcast uh and uh, 2006 and 7 of this podcast it's uh it's it was a little different back then the the we were we took it very seriously back in the early days oh my goodness we were you know reporting took what seriously yeah yeah right no the whole idea we're on the radio here and we're you know radio i make finger quotes um and uh it's it's you know by the time by the end of the first year though I and mean, you get to like around you know summer of 07 we started to get a little bit more casual and a little bit more like 
we are now. So it's very interesting. But there's uh, five of those episodes, uh, five of those clips have been posted already. They are currently posted, though, exclusively for our Patreon supporters. Um, so if you are, and you don't have to be a, 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 a reward level, like you don't have to, be, you could be as little as a dollar per episode. Um, but if you're a Patreon supporter, you can go into the Patreon um, um, Uncontrolled Airspace site and uh, listen to uh, these uh, these clips, these UCAP timelines clips and uh, although i did five last week i'm not going to do five i'm not going to do them every day but uh, uh i'm hoping to do them like maybe one a week or something like that um and they'll be posted over there on patreon so if you're not already a patreon supporter and we really really appreciate those of you who are um this is maybe a reason to become a patreon supporter so that you can get access to uh, the ucap timeless clips anyways uh that's it for the uh, podcast business Let's see now. What else is going on? Um, uh, Dave, uh, you you called attention. Are you concerned about FlightAware expanding its coverage? What have they done? FlightAware is, the, of course, the website, um, the service that uh, will show you um, more or less the flight track of just about any aircraft in America, the world these days. Um, it used to be based on being in the system, like on an IFR flight plan or, or a flight following flight plan. Um, but now it, they, they track ADSB stuff as well. Um, what, what was your, what was your uh, observation here, David? Well, that they're tracking everything now. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and they're displaying it. Uh, and I'm not sure what that means to the people who had uh, done the paperwork to uh, preserve their privacy. But for the guys that thought not being on flight following or on IFR meant that uh, their girlfriend couldn't see that they diverted over to the fishing lake instead of coming straight home, those days are over, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. Fishing or worse. Lake. The fishing lake. Yeah, that's that's a st- that's our story, and we're fishing sticking lake. to it. Yeah, yeah, that's our story, and we're sticking to it. Um, okay, there, I mean, this has been there for a while. Is there something changed more recently, David, or is this? Because yeah, I've- this just this just changed in the uh, in in the last month. Oh, really? Because I've yeah. noticed for a year or two now that um, ADSB tracks are appearing on FlightAware. I have a few few people who I follow, um, and it used to be that they only appeared when they filed, like uh, you know, a flight plan of some sort, VFR or IFR. But now they'll appear. You know, you'll suddenly get a note that says, you know, you know, November one, two, three, four, five was spotted near such and such an airport, um, and. Uh, and so it's even more now, is what you're saying. Yep. They uh, put out a note about it, mm-hmm. uh, press release. I, for some reason, wound up on their press list. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, it had been in effect for a while before they announced it, and I think that was to make sure that the uh, ah, okay. computers could handle the increase in pings that they're getting mm-hmm. uh, by adding all the ADSB traffic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of like I, I discovered this back back before the first of the year when I returned to flight and was flying out of Sanford, Maine, um, and and didn't even occur to me at first. Um, and then suddenly I thought, hey, you know what? I bet that this might flight track because I had they you know all these airplanes are ADSB uh, equipped. Um, and I went into FlightAware and looked up the tail number of the rental airplane that I had, and boom, there's my flight track. It showed me going round and round in circles, and you know it's like it's really weird because you know ADSB. It seems that they lose you 
you know, if you're like doing pattern work, um, it, it'll get you sort of on upwind and, and on downwind at, you know, at pattern altitude. Um, and then you'll kind of disappear while you go down and on the runway, and then you'll reappear again, um, on the upwind and, and so forth. Um, and then going out and doing air work and sightseeing and whatever, there you are, boom, it's there. Even though I wasn't on any sort of flight plan or even flight following. Um, so, Okay. And it's not te- and it's not even nineteen eighty four. Yeah, I know. <laughs> nope. Uh, Jeb, comment. No, not really. Um, okay. Sorry, I've I've had you know some flights that you know I go back and and look at least via four flight. I haven't really yeah you know and 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 uh, um, flight twenty four and or um, uh, flight aware um, or flight radar twenty four. I guess it is. Um, I've had some flights lately that were not uh, on there, and I've got working ADSB, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah, like maybe, I said, it's, maybe the next time I go flying here, um, which hopefully will be soon, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll show up everywhere again. I don't know. It used to be that way, and then it seems to have slacked off, and and, and, and you're telling me it's back again. So I don't know. Yeah, I and and I don't know. Hmm. I want to say you live in the middle of nowhere, but you don't exactly. Um. And and, and as I, I have I, AD, I have ADSB at five hundred feet around here. And that's my well at five hundred feet. But I wonder whether if you kind of go towards the center of Florida there, which is a little bit more remote, whether you have to be higher for the ADSB to see you or hear you. Florida ain't that wide. Yeah. No, I know you're right. Um, Anyways, I don't know. But David's point. To David's point, um, be aware that that uh, you know the administrators watch. I don't know what what the right illusion would be. Anyways, okay. Uh, what is this video? This is another video um, about anyone ever land on a closed runway. Have you seen this video? This is a, a Twitter a tweet with a video in, attached of somebody and on some ways it's your basic you know landing video it's a camera aimed out the front of the aircraft as uh, as it's i'm gonna push the button and see how much noise it makes here um and uh, on short final uh, coming up on a runway and uh, as we get up close to the runway it appears somewhat clear that there's an x on the runway um and uh I, I, trying to figure out whether well, and, and there's not a lot paging uh, Senator Inhofe Senator Inhofe but the X is weird the X is not the center it was like off to the right it was on the pavement but it wasn't usually you see these X's and they like put an X across the you know the the number you know or or, or but basically the center line and this was off to the side um, at the time I first saw this I read the comments and there was no real explanation I don't know whether anything's been added since then do you guys know anything about this I'm looking at the video now give me a minute well we almost is that like a parachute target jump target Oh, I mean, it's an X on the pavement of the runway, though. Uh, it's but it's it is off to the side. Yeah, but it's it on is, the pavement. It's, and it's is it before the actual? Maybe it's because it's on the it's on the extended. Um, you know, uh, uh, that's not a parachute target. Yeah, and, it, and it's no, it's right next to the numbers. Um, so, and it's yellow. What? What's? How is that significant? Usually, they're white. Okay. Uh, all right. 
I don't see it, that it many looks, of these. It looks temporary. It looks like it looks something temporary. that you put out for a skydiving. Yeah. I don't uh, understand what that is. I I don't know if I'd land there or not. Um well, let's what what's down here? Oh, okay, here we go. One of, of the, the commenters um, uh, point uh, observes that according to ICAO, a yellow X means taxiway closed, and white is for runway. So uh, maybe, hmm, I don't maybe know. it was just a taxiway closed. Because yeah, maybe you can't back taxi there or something. This like that. This doesn't really look like a, an airport that's all that attuned to what ICAO recommends. Yeah, and another commenter <laughs> says yellow for both, according to the FAA. Another commenter says, uh, uh, "I don't know what this is all about here." <laughs> there it is. We knew somebody in the comments would come up with uh, mention Senator Inhofe. Yeah. There it is. Uh, let's see now. For those of you who don't know, Senator Inhofe famously landed right over the heads of some construction workers on the runway once, and and that's all I'll say. Well, um, some some years back, a uh, magazine that most of us know assigned me to do a story about flying a Cessna Skycatcher, a light sport airplane, from San Diego to Tampa. Uh, so it got there in time for the AOPA convention. And uh, after we landed at Tampa Executive to close out the what turned out to be a 72-hour uh, trip uh, to the minute from when we left San Diego, uh, the uh, company pilot dropped me off at Jeb's place, his old place. And Jeb and I did a little work at the convention after that. Well, we were trying to get into Tallahassee. And uh, fuel stop and turned out to be an overnight stop. Uh, and there'd been weather all across the route since we'd left San Diego. Once we got into Texas, we kept catching up with the system and having to divert and vector. And, you know, it's a VFR-only airplane. And uh, so at one point, the company pilot with me, the uh, said, oh, there's an airport over there. I, I, it, it's on the chart. And I found a hole in the clouds and started down through it and said, oh, dude, we can't land there. Uh, he says, oh, yeah, it's plenty, got plenty of runway. I said, yeah, but it's got two X's on the runway. You want me to land on a closed airport? That's going to be your airplane. Oh, crap. Yeah, no, we can't land there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was back up through the hole in the clouds, and we wound up going 12 or 13 miles north and around to the east of Tallahassee Airport and coming back in just ahead of the storm that was keeping us from getting there directly. Uh, but you, you got to be uh, attentive to this stuff. I mean, the 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 the, the uh, what do you call it? The 911 button in the GPS didn't know that that runway was closed. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an OTAM that we could find, uh, on at least from the airplane on it. Right. But there were the X's, big as life, and yep. you could see some uh, construction equipment off to the side like they were getting ready to resurface the runway or something. And you got to be prepared to make a new decision sometimes yeah. at the latest well, possible moment. Yeah. Like we said last episode, you should always have an alternate. Uh, always plan your alternate, regardless of the flight. This is not just an IFR thing. 
Okay. All right. Um, we are reaching the end of our allotted time here. This is one. There's one story though I skipped over last time. I just want to touch on real quickly because I don't know if this is a thing or not. This is this uh, vibrating vest. Do you guys familiar with this story huh? here? So, so this um, I'm reading from a story from uh, the UPI.com website, which is I believe the news news the uh, used to be called Wire Services. Um, vibrating vest warns pilots who can't see in fog comma, other hazards. The first graph is researchers with the U.S. Army and Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Florida have developed a vest that vibrates to warn disoriented pilots and help prevent aviation accidents. All right. Um, Okay. And, you know, there are some racy jokes in there somewhere that we're going to put aside for now. Um, But... Uh, oh come on! Yeah, okay. Is this <laughs> is this sort of the you know I don't know bio bio equivalent of a stick shaker? What is it? Do you know what this work? How it's this is like supposed a to work? Cattle product. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Don't do that. Or wake uh, up. Or uh, you know I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I I'm just reading this now, so don't ask me to give you details. All right. So it's just but so apparently it's programmed to vibrate under a certain set of circumstances like i don't know what but um you know too low to the ground or 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 wings violently not level or close to a stall i'm speculating here i'm not reading i'm speculating if the aircraft systems detect a roll to the left the vest vibrates on the left oh okay and if it rolls to the right it vibrates on the right Oh, you mean uh, I can shoot ILSs with this, with nothing but this? Hot <laughs> damn. <laughs> Hot All right. Damn. Well, I don't know. I don't know what it does if you uh, start to climb or dive inappropriately. Uh, it doesn't really say, but. Uh, All right. Well, you know uh, what? This may be a miraculous technology, but we're obviously not taking it very seriously. I don't know. Well, I, 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 I want the vest to start vibrating before you penetrate IFR. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, VFR and IFR conditions is the bigger is well, the bigger, big killer. Yeah. Well, yeah, so uh, most instrument pilots, uh, yeah, I'd invest, but okay. no pun intended. I, but, I mean, uh, it, I, it's not instrument pilots that need this the most. It's yeah. the non-instrument pilots that need this the most. Yeah. I don't know. Well, th- and, and, this is this yeah. is our old bugaboo, spatial orient disorientation. Yeah, and um, the industry's been looking for ways to minimize or eliminate spatial disorientation, pretty much since the Wright brothers, um, and they haven't come up with a way yet, other than of course, learning to fly on instruments and trusting your instruments, um, which works every time, by the way. But um, this is new. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to peel the onion on this um, and maybe um, do something with, with for maybe just a sidebar for safety. But thanks for pointing this out. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I was like, what? It, it's, yeah, I don't know. It could be yeah. awesome. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's awesome, but it just seems odd. And- I, I'm... Yeah. It, um. No. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, use, use. You know. 
use the God-given sense you have to stay out of situations like this and use the instruments you've been trained to use to, to keep the wings level when you're in a situation Well, like this. okay, yeah, except so I'm, I'm not sometimes a, these things are, you know, it's like this, if this helps with defeating, um, overriding um, seat-of-the-pants failures, you know, which is a real thing, you know, that you, you don't real you know, it feels like you're level or it feels like you're not level and, and the opposite is true. Maybe this, you know, and, and plus we've got pilots who wear pressure suits that aid not in orientation, but in, in health matters. Uh, I, the idea of wearing, you know, and, and, and then of course, in a larger sense, wearables of computing stuff is a big deal these days. So maybe there's a, a wearable that we all wear headphones. That makes the situation better. I'm not going to, I'm going to make fun of this a little bit, but I'm not going to rule it out personally, completely right away. Give it a chance. See what I, they do. I guess where I come down is that if we practiced good airmanship, and made good decisions that we wouldn't need a device like this. We wouldn't need some of the devices we already have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if we're unwilling to practice good airmanship and keep our training and skills, et cetera, et cetera, and get advanced ratings, yada, yada. Uh, if we're unwilling to do all of that, then this might be a, a next best thing. But the best solutions are as I've just specified. How's that? Okay. Shout outs. Anything? I don't know if there's anything. I didn't put anything on the list, so I don't know whether. To the poor bastard who wears one of these and doesn't know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) I'll shout out to him. (laughs) Yeah, okay. All right, okay. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, it's vibrating. I don't know what that is, though. Oh, I I thought my phone was in my other pocket. (laughs) Exactly. Well, okay. Yeah, all right. So there we go. So there's, uh, David, there's any shout outs? Out. <laughs> yeah, kind of a spontaneous one here. That's, that's a, what they're supposed to be. Go ahead. What do you got? Well, I want to give a shout out to all the uh, all the folks that would have worked Lakeland and Sun and Fun had it come off. Uh, some of them had already arrived on site when the, the cancellation uh, news came out. Uh it, all the folks that invested a lot of volunteer time to help that place get ready, and then they didn't pull the trigger. And I know it's a disappointment, uh, and we've seen a lot more of that. Arlington has since canceled. Uh, the uh, the locals here are debating what to do about the uh, local EAA chapter's annual fly-in. There's, there's more stuff not on the calendar than there is on the calendar these days. Yeah, and it's got to be frustrating for the folks that work so hard all year to organize these things. So, uh, my hats off to all of them, yeah. and we'll get through this, and we'll see you next year. Absolutely, yeah. It'll be twenty one. Will be, yeah. Uh, okay, then. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Fork Time. Uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, it's always fun getting together with you guys. Uh, uh, Jeb Burnside. Jeb is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What have you been working on, Jeb? Anything nothing, fun? Nothing much lately. Um, I've got a file open on my desktop though now, right now, to uh, finish up a piece for um, 
the Aircraft Electronics Association and their uh, their magazine, Avionics News. Um, that'll be uh, in the June issue. Might have another piece in there. Uh, I'm not sure yet, but uh, we'll we'll all find out together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. We're yeah. going to we'll find out about this stuff and yourself on the internet. Uh, AEA.net. Uh, is a good place to start for the aviation safety magazine.com for the magazine, um, general aviation news.com, AIN online.net, I believe it is.com, and uh, AvWeb. And who knows? I, you might find me in the local police plotter, who knows? The, mm-hmm. the bug shots, who yeah. knows? Yep. Uh, and uh, Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. What are you working on, David? You've been keeping busy, I believe. Yeah, my uh, the only real change to my workload is uh, the uh, the stories that I didn't get to develop going to Sun and Fun. Uh, mm-hmm. That usually produces three, four, sometimes five or six features for me to do through the rest of the year. Didn't get to do that this year. Uh, I got two stories in uh, the April Avionics News, some crash avoidance systems, and uh, on Buyer. You know, I just don't remember. <laughs> but we look for your byline. You'll be there, right? Yeah. 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 It, usually twice. Okay. Uh, Where can people find these things on the internet? Uh, avbuyer.com for my good friends and uh, great client over in uh, London and uh, aea.net for avionics news you just click on a copy of the, the cover and it'll take you right to it cool Cool. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, I've been, uh, like I said, I've been spending some of this spare time uh, going back over uh, old episodes, trying to find some highlights, some things that people might enjoy listening to uh, uh, now. And and that's been, as I said, that's kind of interesting. And more of that will appear over on our Patreon page. Um, I continue to uh, learn more and more about uh, uh, After Effects. This is sort of my career-related thing I'm doing right now is uh, trying to pick up some new skills. And so uh, learning After Effects, and as a result, you're seeing all kinds of uh, gratuitous motion in the graphics that appear on the website. Um, but uh, that'll either get worse or better. I'm not sure which. Uh, and uh, and I'm continuing to learn Italian. Um, I've actually had people seem to be be uh, they, they find that remarkable somehow. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I've always wanted to learn, I, I you know. Uh, English. People ask me, do you speak any other languages? I say, yeah, well, C and Pascal and Python. Um, that's a computer scientist joke. Um, but uh, learning another language. So that's what I'm working on. That's kind of fun. Um, and uh, otherwise, just kind of bearing up under these strange times. Uh Online, uh, you can find me in uh, most of the uh, usual places with the username Jack Hodgson. Uh, for example, YouTube, Jack Hodgson, Twitter, Jack Hodgson, Patreon, Jack Hodgson. You can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. And you can sign up for my email newsletter by going to my uh, personal website, jackhodgson.com. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, UCAP itself is on the internet. You can get information for about all of our old episodes and the current ones, the show notes and, and, uh, whatnot. Those are, are at uncontrolledairspace.com. On Twitter, uh, a, uh, 
the uh, the podcast is on Twitter um, as Class G Airspace. That's Class and the letter G Airspace uh, all bumped together on Twitter. Uh, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? But we can all live through this if we get a little more air time because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. But it's not a key to immunity. Ta-ta. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. See you next time. All right. Uh, anything else? Any other questions here? No. Y'all stay safe. I was uh, trying to work up the courage to do... Uh, I was trying to work up the courage to do That's Enough Talking, Don't Go Flying in Italian. Uh, I, I actually got it written on the page here, and uh, I chickened <laughs> out. I chickened out. So, uh, What are we going to do with you? I don't know, but, you know, we have listeners in Italy, so that would be kind of cool. Yeah. You know? So, anyways, um, maybe maybe next time, or I don't know. You could always, you know, just record it and slap it in there anyway. Well, of course I could, but uh, you know, I was I was you know trying to like do it spontaneously, um, and uh, chickened out. Too bad. Maybe next time. Okay. Uh, anything else?